0: Welcome back Forensicators. This week I wanted to discuss a bit about layers of abstraction. And in that we're going to talk about the AI piece. Uh, it's something that Si and I on our other podcast, Forensic Focus, we've talked about many times when it's just me and him. What sparked it for me for this week that I wanted to put it out was there was an article about the U S air force and a simulation of a drone that killed its operator to achieve its target. I'm going to post that link in the notes so you can read about it. Uh, I checked today, uh, Reuters made a fact check verdict. So there was some missing context. The story about the USAF official speaking about an AI drone killing its human operator in a simulation is real, but the official has since walked back his comments and the USAF says the simulation was never conducted. Now, make that what you think. Uh, with the Air Force walking back its statements. I think the key takeaway from this though is AI being used in this sense is being used to make decisions. There's layers of abstraction from the language and the data set and the rules that are being used by its end users, which is the drone operators and the engineers and scientists behind this program. And the reason that they're doing simulations is, is to get, to learn how it behaves. Now, back when I was in the air force, we weren't doing anything like this, but there was an intro course that we used to do where it was an intro to cyber for anyone coming into the unit, because you could be coming from a completely non-computer technical role into cyber, but you're really good at problem solving, which is a really good skill set to have if you're moving into cyber. Part of that course was we would teach about the layers of abstraction and and inherently the trust that you have when you're using the tools that you do. So a way to think about this is AI and it's making decisions and has its data set is abstracted from the user. You just tell it to do something and it achieves its goal. This made me think about back when we were teaching that course that you use an operating system. You don't actually understand the underlying aspects of how the motherboard works or how memory works, or or you may do, but most people don't. Now you can tell your computer to do something or a program to do something, and it'll go and do that within the parameters that it has to achieve that. But it is abstracted from the user because what is actually happening is say it's the operating system. Well, that's getting converted to, um, like API calls for the operating system, which is then converted to assembly language, which is then converted to operational code, which the computer hardware then runs, and then the result is then translated back to the user. And you may get frustrated because it's not what you want, but that layer of abstraction is there because you've told the computer to do something. You just don't understand the inner workings of, of what it is. Now, usability is a huge thing, which is why layer of of abstraction works and why we can move away from the nitty gritty to do higher order tasks because that's how programming languages work when we think about starting with assembly language and then moving into c c is very hands-on you can allocate memory but then when you move into something like python you don't have to worry about that it's a higher order language where you can start to program things and not worry about managing some of the resources that are that are being used in the hardware. Now, that's not to say you can't go and do it. It just becomes more complex. You need to understand the inner workings of that. So I guess that's where we were this this week. I wanted to bring the article to your attention if you haven't seen it before. Uh, and it made me think about that layers of abstraction. From here, I think where it ties into the cybersecurity industry and digital forensics and all that is There's a lot of tools that we're seeing throwing around the word AI uh, to do video processing, audio processing, that kind of thing. And it's always been a thing. Like if you worked in the industry or you studied at all, there's always the saying of make sure you validate your findings by using another tool and make sure that you really understand the tool that you're using and that you're interpreting the results in the correct way. This is going to be especially important as more and more tools are coming out saying they're incorporating AI and understanding kind of the biases that the data sets that the AI is using might have, how that can mean that your results might be misinterpreted. And it's, it's the same with any new technology that's coming out that this needs to be in the front of your mind as you're using that tool. A classic example of this, like it's, it's not AI, but it's, more related to the the layers of abstraction again, the I, I did a CTF last year that Matthew Sorrell put together uh, with some of his students that was about the Apple Watch data uh, that it tracks and, and how it puts it into tables. Now you could write a tool that pulls out Apple Watch data, translates it, and it gives you certain information, but Through his research, he found that different generations of the watch and the software that was released actually changed how the data existed within the tables and and sometimes how it was even interpreted, whether it was the sampling rate or perhaps some other variable that changed. Now, the good thing is, is you've got the academic community and you've got people who are building tools to, who are going to research this and, and try and make sure, but That's always something else that needs to be in the back of your mind is the data that you're getting if it's from the same device but there's been a software update. And it's the same with your tools. If your tools have an update, how are you validating your tools? How are you validating that data set? What test and assurance procedure are you going through to make sure that you're coming out the other end in the same way? Now, this might not be possible if you're using some kind of AI technology that is perhaps doing video or photo forensics or audio forensics, and it's using that data set to do it. But as more and more of these tools come out, one thing to do is then to watch your test and assurance plan on testing between the tools to make sure that within a reasonable error rate, you're coming out with the same answer between the tools for the same scenario that you're giving it. Because you need to, at a base level for digital forensics, is follow that scientific method. Can you perform a experiment and come out with the same result using different tools, because the tools say that they should do the same thing, or if it's not coming out with the same result, like the result could be quantitative rather than qualitative. Can you explain that difference of the quantitative differences between the two results that you're getting? Finally, what I want to leave you guys with is I think this brings us in a circle round to what makes a good investigator and it's the drive to always be learning, which is the basis behind why I made Highly Adequate is you never feel like you've or, you've ever reached that point of being proficient in your field because there's always something else to learn. But it also goes back to when I talked about the scientific method and understanding the layers of abstraction. Like You don't have to understand it, but you have to understand the fundamentals of what you don't know and what you may need to go and check. You always need to have that quizzical mindset of, asking those questions, making sure that you're not making assumptions just because you've done it before, like has something changed, has the software updated, and potentially something's changed. Like it's minuscule enough that it doesn't break your tool, but big enough that your interpretation of the data is something that is completely wrong. And especially in the digital forensics field, if you're going into court with this kind of thing, does that make something, does that change someone's life to be drastically different because of the outcome, because of how you're interpreting those results, which is always a a very hard question to ask and something that people in this line of profession need to take really seriously, because it's not like something like DNA forensics, right? Like DNA forensics is whose DNA is, if if the test is followed to the letter, whose DNA is this? Now, how did it end up at the scene? That's up to a different investigator to then try and piece together the contextual clues to understand why it's there. But the science of understanding whose DNA is it is pretty set in stone. Like it's, it's a a mathematical equation that just gets you to the answer. And that answer is unfallible. However, how the DNA got there is a completely different thing. Like that is quantitative, right? You need to piece together a whole bunch of contextual clues to arrive at why it was there because potentially they have a reason to be at the scene, but it was an hour before the crime was committed or, or something like that. I wanted to keep it short this week, just to throw your attention to an article, talk about layers of abstraction. Uh, in future episodes, I really hope to get on one of my close friends to talk about what makes a good uh, forensicator in the industry. He's had lots of experience uh, teaching people and understanding their learning pathways. So uh, look forward to that episode. But in the meantime, take care, keep well. If this has interested you, please like, subscribe, comment, and I'll see you all in the next episode.